Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Whole Cluster Conversation. A while back, we chatted about bud break, um, and one could say it is inevitably the first part of this process leading to what is the flowering and then the wonderful, couldn't make them without them, fruits of the grape. (laughs) Um, So with that, today we are going to dive into the conversation about flowering and fruit set. So with that, I will start the first question. Haley, why are flowers related to the fruit? I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. Uh, (laughs) I feel like you have the better knowledge of of, uh, plant physiology, so it might be better for me to ask you. But basically, (laughs) if we want to go way back and and if you don't have any um, um, baseline for this, the reason why flowers are related to fruit in most um, situations is the flower becomes the fruit. So not just in grapes, but in apples and um, cherries and uh, oranges, all of, all of those things become, the flowers become the fruiting body. So yeah. if the flowers, something happens to the flowers, the flowers don't get pollinated in some cases or they get damaged, then the fruit is also damaged. Yeah, you're right. I probably should have answered that one. <laughs> so, what did I miss um, then? What did I miss? What do you want to add to that? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't want to get too nerdy with like throwing out all of the like um, names of the specific, you know, parts of the plant. But essentially, if you think about it, plants, um, well, they can either be what is dioecious or they can be like in this case having a perfect flower which has both male and female plants um so you might have heard of male and female parts sorry i just want to sorry yeah parts but dioecious plants are actually like where one plant is male and one plant is female so like a kiwi would be an example of one of those types so you need or like a holly you need a male tree and a female tree in order for like pollinate you know Mm -hmm. the the basically the parts to get together and to make (laughs) your fruit um but not to like freak anyone out, but I think it's kind of fun. Some people are like, what? Um, but essentially the fruit of the plant is the ovary of the plant. So you, when you eat an apple, for instance, or a grape, you're eating the ovary. Like Not a- always. There's some different, there's lots of different types of plants, but in yes. these, that's essentially these what's cases, happening. It's like a, you're eating a, an, an egg. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so again, there are different types of plants that, yeah, have it's different. different. Um, <clears throat> they're vegan. Ways that they... Vegan eggs. Procreate and stuff, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. Well, let's dive into what you just said. So, grapevines um, don't need pollinators because yeah. they're a perfect flower. Um, yeah. So that's that's cool. And uh, I think from my research, I've seen that they you don't even necessarily need a bug or a bird in there moving things around for it to become pollinated. But mm-hmm. that also, you know, that probably is helpful. But let's talk about just briefly 
other plants and how basically pollinators work in getting other things too, or pollinators or uh, birds and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which are pollinators, Mm -hmm. just anything that's... So, I mean, I will make it super basic and this is like so incredibly basic. So (laughs) just remember that. But essentially, like think about... um, if you have kind of like the male part of the plant and the female part of the plant and you have the pollinator and what the pollinator is really doing is kind of like getting those two, as I'm clapping my hands and that's not good for audio, Um, (laughs) but you, they're basically like getting them to touch like, uh, and so in this particular type of plant. So there's other plants that you could think of like, um, conifers for one that have pollen and so that's like that's a whole other system but you're kind of like you know having it come over and like come into the cones and um you know get that yeah so that's why there's like the big pollen release of like conifers I didn't know Um, that but they are conifers are different than (laughs) <laughs> than angiosperms than these plants yes. um, that we're talking about today. So that's essentially what pollinators are doing. And one of the things we talked about uh, beforehand was, okay, grapes don't need pollinators, but do pollinators benefit them? Because sometimes um, you can have where something will kind of just like through its movement or how close it is, they don't need a pollinator to help them, but sometimes pollination can help with like genetic diversity in plants and like kind of moving things around and kind of like changing things up a little bit. And so there can sometimes be like, they don't need it, but it can be beneficial. Right. And you and I had talked about um, the, uh, when that happens, the genetic diversity comes in the, in the seed. So that's where Mm -hmm. um, the male and female parts just like a baby <laughs> come in the seed is that little baby. So it has both the male and the female genetics in it. If there's, um, in the case of uh, diesis, is that diesis mm-hmm. plants? Yeah. Or in the case of grapes, that's, I believe, possible. Um, just like if you have pollinators um, coming through the vineyard, they might take pollen from one flower on a plant and t- and transfer yeah. it to another flower on a different plant or in a different part of the vineyard. But because we aren't planting those seeds and growing vines from those seeds, we don't typically see that genetic diversity because it's not being um, um, grown. It's not being (laughs) uh, propagated in that way. Yeah. But I mean, again, it can just help with like, you know, getting those things together or sometimes pollination. But that's also a really good thing because, you know, like... I know some things like almonds, you know, are so dependent on bees. And so that's a good thing about grape crops is like they're not dependent on right. that. So it's not like you have to have them um, out there to keep your crop going successfully in that way. But totally. I was going to say on kind of a last note that the flowers of grapes are super small. How did you <laughs> describe them to me? <laughs> Uh, I don't even remember how I described them. They're just something like fluffy little fuzz, little yeah. fuzz. They just—they don't even look like flowers, really. If, the way that all of us think of flowers, they just look like little, yeah, fuzzy bits that are poking out of of yeah. <laughs> the ovary, and then 
Yeah. Uh, yes. And then so they I don't last very fun. long either. Yeah, I was having fun looking through the different, um, sorry, my voice, um, looking through pictures of, of grape flowers yeah. too. So some of these things are really cool under microscopes so yes, too. So. <laughs> definitely. Um, um, the other thing that I'll say is they have a very distinct, I think uh, grapes have a very distinct flowering scent. Yeah, um, so I was if, reading that. Yeah, so if you're out in a vineyard while things are flowering, um, you'll recognize that smell if you go to other vineyards while they're flowering. It's it's uh, it's not crazy. It's just distinct. Yeah, and the flowering season that I was to be able to smell this is sometimes only like two weeks, or it's really short. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I was also reading that some of the different varieties have some different unique smells to them a little bit. Oh, like, cool. It's not like it's a general smell, but like somebody was saying something about how like they like the smell of the Chardonnay or <laughs> right. better than the other. Interesting. So, that might be something that's somebody that's really tuned into it all, like a farmer that's out there every day. But, and lots um, of different I, blocks and different yeah, yeah plantings. Exactly. So. Cool. So hopefully I'm not jumping ahead too much, but I feel one of the things with all of this is thinking, okay, so you have like the flowering that's happening, but this year we talked about it a little bit during bud break and I've just noticed too, like on the socials, everyone's talking about like in your neck of the woods, over here in the Willamette Valley, we're having a lot of like craziness with weather um, Mm -hmm. and like, snow in April. And so I'm curious how that weather impacts it. And also, I guess I'll just throw it out there that I saw a thing that how, what I was saying with the different types of flowers and smells and whatever, but that it's kind of a couple places mentioned compression maybe of the flowering too, of like the different species. So, you know, what are you thinking or -hmm. what are you seeing? Um, I think uh, what anything that's going to affect your flowering of your grapevine is going to affect uh, things further down the line in the fruit set. So even if you have a vineyard and it's kind of uh, hasn't been managed, like say you uh, you buy a property and it has some grapevines and it hasn't been managed in the past, um, so you're just starting to try to remanage it, even if it's only had a year of not being managed. A lot of times what we'll see is getting back under a management system and trying to make that vineyard um, uh, come come back to into um, production again. You have a lot of variability. So, so you might have bud break in some plants and then not in others. And so that's very um, uneven. And just having an uneven fruit break means that then later on, you're going to have uneven development, which means you're going to have some grapes that are ripe and ready to pick and other grapes that aren't. And as you get later into the season, sometimes it's harder to tell the difference between the two. Um, So little things like that uh, always impact the fruit later on. But then even if you think about um, all the weather patterns like you were talking about that we're having, so hot and cold, really hot, really cold, um, even if you have everything and it's dialed in and you've you've gotten really good at um, pruning and making sure everything is is 
going through bud break at the same time and going into flowering at the same time. If you are really cool, you might have delayed flowering, which then means you have a delay in your fruit um, ripening. Uh, and then this, the the reverse isn't always true. If you have warm weather, then you might have earlier flowering. But if you have a really hot um event that happens around your flowering, that can actually cause problems in in the fruit set. So last year, that's what happened in Idaho. We had a lot of uh, heat early in the season. Um, and I shouldn't say a lot. We had a couple heat events right around flowering. So some of our vineyard blocks actually, they weren't damaged, but the flowering process was interrupted. And then that caused some issues with the actual fruit set. Um, so did you have clusters that like only had some berry, like maybe it wasn't like a nice evenly buried exactly. cluster. It was like portions of it had the berries and portions mm-hmm. of it didn't. We had two things. Um, hens and chicks is what they're called. Um, so mm-hmm. um, uh, you can look up hens and chicks um, grape in grapevines. Um and then we also had a lot of shot berries. So clusters that some of the berries developed really nicely, but some of them didn't. And so you actually, if you shake those clusters, you have a lot of these little green berries that look like shot um, that f- would fall out. And the other thing that can um, obviously impact, uh, like the weather events that can impact are the things that you think of, like heavy rains while while during flowering. So that's going to like hit the actual flowers and cause... Um, minor damage, but enough damage that it can then affect the fruiting. And the same with hail. So in Europe, they always um, are worried about hail in the spring. And at certain times when the, the when bud break is happening, because that can damage the actual new tissue, but then also when fruit set is happening. Yeah, I remember talking about that during bud break. Mm-hmm. A little bit of what you're talking about is kind of like vineyard-wide, Um, like there's a heat thing that's kind of impacting it. But you also, I just wanted to key in, you also in there kind of also started getting at that microclimateness a little Mm -hmm. bit as well. So like a certain angle, like maybe you have a bigger slope here or slightly slopes to the north in this part of your vineyard. And so then you have that variation within your blocks Correct, that's very true. Um, Which is why sometimes you see um, some some blocks or parts of the block, your fruit looks fine, but then other parts, you're like, wow, we have a ton of hens and chicks here. What what happened? And maybe it's because um, the heat was able to, to roll away in some areas, but it got stuck in others or, um, yeah. So it just, it totally depends. And there are tools to ensure a healthy flower set, even if you have these weather events. Um, if it's going to get really cold, you know, if you have wind turbines or you're able to um, really saturate um, to, to help with a, fr- a potential freeze. Can't really do much about hail. Um, yeah. You could put umbrellas over them. <laughs> yeah, the entire. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I have heard of using, um, of all things, using helicopters in certain situations, but I don't know if that's for fruit set. Or, or flower set and fruiting, or if that's for other things. So, Helicopters? Yeah, so you like go and you like hover a helicopter over a a block to try to like disperse the air or or the weather. Like a full size helicopter mm-hmm. or like a little mini helicopter? No, like like you hire a helicopter like to a come drone. and, and uh, oh. hover over your vineyard during certain, especially um, if you don't have wind turbines and you can yeah. get that airflow for a freeze event. 
Um, that sounds yeah. expensive. Yes, um. yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, the other tool that a lot of people kind of forget about is making sure, especially during a heat event, making sure your plants have enough available water. That's going to help your flower set and then your fruit set a lot, actually. So we all talk about in the grape industry or sorry, in the wine industry about how we want to we want to do some like stress of our plants so that they really produce really great quality fruit. Um, and there is, I mean, there is some science to that, but you have to be very careful. You definitely don't want to stress your plants out until after they go through their flower and, and fruit set. And once you get into the actual fruit ripening, that's going to be where you kind of can toy with how stressed you get your plants, especially in the case of water. That's a really good point. And it, I was thinking about how like dry farming, that would be more difficult because yeah. you don't have that system already in place. Um, I know some people, you know, more on the orchard side or the blueberry side and stuff, but I'm sure that kind of already had some of those things in place. Like I remember talking with some of our different farmers that I work with last year when we had that 117 degree <laughs> weather and they were talking about how they were out there constantly watering and the people that were really mindful with their watering were the ones that had their plants survive that yeah. heat stuff. The ones that just kind of were like, ah, um, or didn't have that infrastructure in place. Right. So I think that that's something to think about if you know that was something that impacted your farm this last year to maybe say, hey, is this something that we want to kind of looking forward if we're predicted to have more of these events, right. just start at least putting that infrastructure in place. Like maybe not always like... I mean, you want to use it to some degree because you don't want to just like put it out there and not <laughs> use it, but like have something in place for when those things come so yes. that you're not. Or in like a nursery setting. Man, hauling like right. lines all over your. Yes, vineyard. that's true too. But even like um, in some of the instances that we had talked about, like more in nursery settings, if you can't get water, if you're dry farming a nursery or something, look at your other options like shade shade tarps or even bringing in like a, you can bring in a water truck for a couple of days. It's going to be expensive, but if it's going to save your entire crop or even just a portion of your crop for the year, it might be worth it um, to have them come in and just do a blanket, you know, like get some water somewhere near the plants. Yeah. Well, and I would say in the, um, when we were talking about uh, the freeze or the cold event. And we talked a lot about that in our bud break episode mm -hmm. of like having the overcast um, sprayers. So then it yes. comes and kind of like freezes on top of them. But with heat, you actually want it not overhead. You want it under because you don't want the water to be hitting your leaves and then, and, and fruits and flowers yeah. and having them like essentially burn because it's so hot. So um, that's just something. And the timing of day of water is really important. Yes, that. it is. So it's kind yeah. of interesting. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I do feel like we whiz through that. But uh, I mean, it's pretty easy too, right? Like, there's not much to it. They fruit. Uh, I'm going to put, there's a great... I really just didn't want to go in because I can get nerdy really fast and I don't realize all the words that I use for plant parts that aren't yeah. in everyday vocabulary. So I really took a giant step back and didn't <laughs> go into 
naming plant parts, but I'm going to go ahead and put a link to the, I think it's the OSU extension. I found a really great um, resource for um, somewhere on here. Parts, yeah, it's a, what was it, OSU? It's some extension. Anyways, um, yeah, <laughs> Oregon. Um, that's all about the parts of the plants. Um, and yeah. so I'm going to add that into it and so that you can just see like, and if you really want to like learn all those different plant parts yes. and learn more about it, you can dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, OSU so. and WSU have some great resources on learning about grapevine physiology. Mm-hmm. So we can definitely put those in the show notes. Yeah, it'll tell you all about stamens, anthers, <laughs> stigma, pistol. <laughs> so, just to name a few. Yes. So, um, I'm really excited, Haley. I know that I probably missed it this year, but um, I really want to go out now and try to find, uh, see some flowering grapes at some point. You might so, not have missed um, it. It's been a cool spring. We In Idaho, I don't know when the average flowering time is in the Willamette Valley, but in Idaho, it's not for another, like in the, within the next month. It just depends on the different, okay. different well, areas, how warm they are, how cool they are. Well, maybe I'll have to make a trip down and see um, and walk the vineyard with you. It's been too long. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, with that, is there any other questions or things that you wanted to go over? Nope, I think we hit a good good amount for about flowering and how it affects the fruit set. So thanks everybody for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. We'd love to do another Q&A episode, so please write in to let us know uh, about any questions you have or any topics you'd like us to cover, whether they're brief or expansive. We love to hear what you'd like to learn about and we would love to talk about it on our podcast. Thanks everybody and have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao!